Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. I was very excited to read a certain blog post this week on a website called City Starlings. The blog article was called 10 Podcasts You Should Be Listening To If You're an Expat in Germany. And guess who was on the list? It was me. It was me. Also, my rival slash friend, uh, Sean, his podcast, The Germany Experience, is also on there, and several others, which I've also listened to throughout my journey as an expat here in Germany. So I highly recommend this list, not just because I'm on it. <laughs> as I said, I also really, really like the other podcasts that are also listed. So I'll link to that in the show notes. And I want to shout out Jamie, who runs the website, for including me on that list. That was really, really cool to see and definitely gave me a little, little pep in my step. All right, I want to get right to today's episode. It's with a friend of mine named Meg. Meg and I met here in Freiburg, honestly, not that long ago. It was just over this last winter. And as soon as I met her, I was like, wow, we have 10, 20 people in common that we both know. And how did we not meet sooner? (laughs) And it's just been wonderful getting to know Meg and her wife and having them in my friend circle here in Germany. And Meg agreed to come on the show to talk about her experience being queer in Germany. Meg is one of these people who is just brilliant with words, and I just love listening to her. I I find it so hard to cut the interview off because I just want it to keep going. And another thing you'll notice in this episode is that I say a couple dumb, stupid, not the most well thought out things a couple times. And Meg, as a friend, as a person, is patient and forgiving and didn't give me too much crap for it. But if she had, it would have been fully earned. And if anyone takes any offense to the way I phrased anything in the episode, um, yeah, I just want to say sorry. And at this point, all I can do is try to learn from that and be a little bit more thoughtful with my words and phrasing in the, in the future. But I think it's important to keep some of the messy stuff in there because conversations about different identities and social issues, they're, they're going to involve people making mistakes. Often the straight white person is going to be making mistakes. In my case, it's me. Another thing that I'm learning is it's really annoying when those mistakes become the point, when actually the point is everything else that the person who's there to talk had to say. So so yeah, let's not make it about me. Let's keep it about Meg and her experiences in the US and in Germany. I hope that you guys enjoy. Yeah, so my name is Meg McGill. I'm from Rock Hill, South Carolina originally. I now live in Freiburg, Germany, where I moved here in 2016. So I've been here for a little bit over four years now. And um, I didn't think this part through, except it's happening right now. We're here to talk about being gay or lesbian in in Germany and but I'm realizing being I'm saying gay or lesbian do I have to choose one and yeah see this is the part where I'm like oh god I didn't think this through and now I'm bringing it up and I feel like maybe it's a like the words should be coming from you but I didn't I didn't think and now we're here so yeah. hi hi sorry yeah no 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 um I mean there's always this huge debate over what word to use for who and how you use words I'm happy when people just try just aim for something that's not offensive Uh, The overarching catching term that you can use is queer. LGBTQ works. LGBT works. I think gay is not quite as a catch-all term. Um, Gay works for me. I'm perfectly fine with that. 
to start us off with that, if you can actually tell us more about what your experiences was back in South Carolina, what was that like? That's a, (laughs) that's, it's a, anytime we talk about the United States, I think it's a really important point to make a distinction about where you are in the United States instead of talking about it like it's a monolith. It is one country, but every American from every single region has a different experience. Um, And every region is so unique and special. It's, It's just very different that someone from New England is has a completely different cultural context than someone from the Deep South. Uh, someone from the West Coast, it's just, it's just always different. The South is not the most progressive of places. South Carolina specifically, they like to say it was South Carolina first because South Carolina started the Civil War. Um, first ones to leave the Union, which turns into today, uh, South Carolina is kind of this Republican voting block, and it bleeds over a lot into our culture. It has quite a religious tradition in the South. At the same time, where all of these things are leading towards the people being not so accepting of homosexuality or of queer people, it also, in a recent, I think it was a Pew Research poll, said that 30% of LGBT identifying people live in the South. We have a very strong queer culture in the South, um, an old queer culture. Uh, We have so many queer icons come out of the South. Of quarantine fame, we have Leslie Jordan. He was an actor on Will and Grace, and then during quarantine, he started doing these short little clips and videos that check out his Instagram. When we look at it on the whole, the South is not very open and accepting. However... When you get down to brass tacks and actually speak to people and get to know people, I've I've served for churches with a huge queer community. So many of my friends who still live in the South, who have a home in the South, are queer. And this is urban and rural. It's a complex issue of how it is being queer in the South. We do live in a culture very often that has kind of a, a negative Southern lean This idea that you have to move north to be out and proud and comfortable. You have to go to a northern city or to a city. But at the same time, the people I know in the South who are gay or who are supportive, are they're there. They are as southern as can be. um, And they wouldn't feel comfortable living anywhere else. That that doesn't really translate the same for me. I, I found my home in Germany. Um, It helps a lot that my wife is German. We did move here to give our relationship a chance. And I've become my full self in Germany. I've become a full adult in Germany. And I can live out and proud in Germany. But at the same time, I can't really pass as straight. Um, And this is a privilege that a lot of queer people do have, which is fantastic. Um, And it's this ability to pass. That when you walk by them on the street, you don't automatically assume that they're gay. Um, and I don't I don't really have that privilege. And that that's perfectly fine. I am very comfortable in who I am as a person. Uh, however, when you don't pass as straight in the South, that adds a whole other level of people feeling 
that it's within their right to make comments to you or to make noises when you walk past them on the street or to use offensive language towards you. And that's not really a healthy environment to stay in for too long. But this is all 100% from my own personal point of view. And so this then begs the question, and how is it in comparison in Germany? You're saying you you uh, have found your home here and um, you've become an adult here and all of these things. But uh, much like the southern states in the U.S., southern Germany, at least from, I don't know if it's all of Germany, but like, oh, I mean, if you like wear a cool hat, people stare at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, this is always the debate we have um, when I catch people staring at me. My wife's like, they're staring. I'm like, yeah, but is it because we're speaking English or is it because I'm very queer? And it could be both. Um, is, <laughs> how is it in Germany? Um, it's, it's okay. It is better than the South. There are still hurdles to leap. However, you don't get as many invasive questions, well-meaning questions, but invasive questions, a very, very common question I get when I'm back home visiting my family or meet people on the street or whatever in the South is, ooh, when did you come out of the closet? When did you know you were gay? When, uh, why, why do you find women attractive? All these things, um, which are just no one's business. I don't get those questions here. I have had some... Interesting interactions, uh, usually only with very, very old people or very, very young people. Uh, I had a man one time years ago, I was sitting waiting for a tram, and an older man, he just stopped when he was walking by me on the street and came over and said, are you, are you a man or a woman? No. And I was like, well, leave me alone. He said, no, 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 are you a man or a woman? I said, leave me alone. Um, he goes, you're a woman, right? And I just, I just walked away at that point. So like these are these invasive questions. This is not culturally specific at all. Children do stare quite a lot. For me, it's fine if children stare at me because they, they do need to see people who are not like the people that they know. What part of that is not okay is when parents are then staring at me. And I had an interaction with a child in Ikea, in Ikea actually, uh, she was just staring me down, just dropped her stuffed animal on the ground, just standing there staring at me. So I stared back at her. Um, <laughs> if she can be rude, I can be rude. That's fine. Sure. Yeah. 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 Finally, she kind of like backed over into her mom and her mom turned around, looked at me and goes, <gasps> and grabbed her child and like walked away a little what? bit. What? Yeah. It was awkward to say the least. It's really, it's really fine if kids stare at me. I'll chat with kids. I don't mind. Kids are not discriminatory when they ask you if you're a man or a woman they're just curious yeah and usually my answer back to that is i don't know because <laughs> like who who actually knows and i feel like a kid can also be more willing to accept whatever the answer is they yeah. just are curious like you said they just want to know and if your answer is eh, i don't know then they're uh -huh. like okay i didn't know that was an option cool yeah. now i know and then they move on yeah. whereas an adult would like this man be like but what one there's but you only need the two to be one right. and you have to be strongly one or the other our neighbor's kids um who are when we first moved there God, one day one of the kids had obviously learned the words for penis and vagina um oh, and gosh. he was like what do you have? Oh, no, no, no. Which I didn't know the words in German. So I looked at his mom. I was like, I don't know what he's saying. She's like, well, one is for the man and one's for the woman. And I said, okay, I get it now. Thank you. And I was like, I don't know. What do you think? 
and he showed me his. Oh no. Um, so now I know what he has. Oh no. Um, I did not. <laughs> I just, I left that conversation where that was at. Um, they've had the same debate over which pronoun to use for me. Uh, so in German, you have der for male objects and you have D for female objects or things. They would say der Meg, D Meg, der Meg, nein, D Meg. And that is perfectly fine. Let them debate it when they're kids. Yeah. And they're like willing to entertain any of the possibilities. Yeah. That, but... And it doesn't inform their opinions about you at all. I had a little bit of nervousness when I first moved here and probably my own home prejudices uh, with my wife's family because they're very religious. They're pretty much just about as religious as my family is and where that leads to not having conversations in my family and uh, one of my grandmothers doesn't even know I'm married, uh, doesn't know I'm gay. She probably would if she thought about it. She's an intelligent person. Uh, but just doesn't want to engage in that conversation at all. And with my wife's family, they there was just never a moment of debate. Uh, it's just, she's gay, she's with a woman, both of them in our, are in our family, problem solved. One aunt did tell us that it was good that we were getting married so that we weren't living in sin. That was a weird one. She was pro-gay marriage because it's better that you're married than not married. Huh. Well, so one thing, thinking about you and your wife existing and living and doing your thing here in Germany, are you, do you feel comfortable to hold her hand, to kiss her in public, things like that? Yeah, that 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 is a very interesting difference between Germany and America is now as an adult in America, when we go back to visit, sure, no problem. Like we'll hold hands when we're walking down the street. And in Germany, it's never been a question or a problem. It's never really been something we've debated doing or not doing. Maybe it's because Freiburg is a university city. There are quite a few young people. I don't actually know. We never really debated it. We don't hold hands around my family, but we do around my wife's family. And it's never really been something that we debate. It's just something that feels natural and comfortable to do. And have you experienced many different parts of Germany? No, see, that's another thing um, coming. This is all completely from my experience of really only Baden-Württemberg, uh, mostly only Freiburg or the small village that my wife is from. Freiburg is very, very well known as being a liberal city. I've heard it described as the San Francisco of Germany. I know that it is a different experience for many, many people in different parts of the country. I think there is something to be said for the German cultural understanding of you are yours and your life and your own thing, and we do us and our own thing. Um, there's quite a bit of a culture of don't spy on your neighbor. I think in, in the U.S., especially in the South, there's quite a bit of, here's my opinion, and let me put it on you. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely this culture of disinterest. As long as you're confining to a certain amount of the lines that they draw yeah. for society, then yeah. you're good. Yeah, uh, follow the rules. Don't don't jaywalk in front of a kid. Right. And besides that, kiss whoever you want to kiss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. But well, I thought this was unbelievable when it was happening. Um, Germany legalized gay marriage in 2017. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> what? It wasn't? What? Yeah. Um, wild, first off. And second off, so you were here for that. So this actually means with your, your moves, you were in both places for both legalizations. Oh, discuss. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> I've known I was gay since I was 12. I did not start coming out to people in a confident way until I was 20. 
because 16 years ago, it was not a good world to be gay in. Everyone talks about Hollywood being so queer, and it's it's not. It wasn't in the early 2000s. We barely talked about the Indigo Girls and Katie Lang, and these were conversations that you had under the table. To identify if someone else was gay, you would still say, are you family? And that part of gay culture, luckily, is dying out. But it was very present. There was a string of public suicides by queer children. Around about when I was 15, 16 years old, I was still in high school, and these things were happening because these kids were being bullied very, very strongly. And this kind of world of abject fear of being gay. You are afraid that you might be gay because all you hear about is kids getting disowned by their parents, getting kicked out of their house. Homelessness among LGBT teenagers is still higher than straight teenagers, especially queer teenagers who are of color or black. They are much more likely to be homeless than straight kids are even today, but then it was so much worse. And I talk about then as if it's old history, and it's it's really not. It's under 20 years ago. I, I think there's a lot to be said for the influence that media has on people. We talk about it today quite openly that there are so many trans people in the world, but so many people don't know anyone who is trans. Most, beyond most people, don't know a person who is trans. So your only view of the trans community of trans people come from the trans characters that you see in TV shows and in movies. And what does it say when these trans characters today are committing suicide or are being beaten up or are being thrown out by their families? And what we had then and what we're finally now getting to change in media depiction of queer characters is the barrier gaze trope where you introduce a gay character and they're in a relationship or they're beginning a relationship and then you kill them off. And this is the media culture that I was brought up in um, and that so many Americans are brought up in. It wasn't really until college that I started meeting other people my age who were gay and didn't actually just hate themselves. In high school, it was constant bullying because of the rumors that I might be gay. It doesn't help that I'm six foot tall and obviously tall women are gay. Uh, there, there's no other option. And this kind of bullying, this kind of these whispers, plus then the media outlook, general silence around being gay, just it it doesn't help you process and come out in a positive way. It doesn't help you with your internal monologue about being gay until you start meeting people who are gay and are your age. I knew one gay couple when I was in high school through, actually through my mom's church, who are, they're, they're married, settled. I think they've been together for about 30 years now. Just happy, confident lesbians. Um, and this was my only connection to what could be a happy and settled future. I am a very, I guess you could even say I'm just a traditional person. I'm in a monogamous relationship with the first person I've ever been in a significant relationship with, uh, happily married, settled down, very living a very boring life. We are the family values that everyone keeps <laughs> saying we should have. So when I was, I was working at a camp at the time in 2015, when the Supreme Court passed gay marriage, 
And it wasn't until the political opinion tide had switched that you also got Obama's uh, famous I've evolved on this issue comment, <laughs> yeah. which is fair. You did not really evolve on it. You always had an opinion on it. Just the political tide evolved. The public opinion shifted. And I think this is also an important point to always make is that minorities are always at we're always at the mercy of the majority. We have to rely on the majority to protect us and to say that we're worthy of being on the same footing. We all know that we should have had gay marriage for years. Uh, gays have been getting married since there were gays, which gays came out at the same time straights came out. And there has always been gay marriage. What there hasn't been is the legal recognition of it. What there hasn't been is the majority saying queers deserve the same rights and the same legal protections that we deserve with marriage. So 2015, I was working for a Presbyterian camp. I was not out of the closet there. And when the news came in that gay marriage was confirmed, I was overjoyed. I was already together with my then-girlfriend, today-wife, and it was this confidence that no matter what, we had a path forward that could lead to future legal protections. And I think these legal protections are very often not fully understood what they really mean because we did have civil unions. But marriage is a recognition that old 80-year-old straight couples who've been married since they were 18 years old, they know what marriage is. And when I say I'm married, they have something in common with me because we're both part of the same government institution and even with some people, religious institution. And this commonality is something that could not be afforded to us when we say I'm in a same-sex union or same-sex partnership. It's not the same as the word marriage. And then moved here in 2016 and Germany, weirdly enough, didn't have gay marriage. It's almost like they've just forgot to do it. Whenever you ask Germans about it, they would say, oh, yeah. That's right. We we don't have gay marriage. Huh. And that passed on a congressional level, parliamentary level here. I remember the one thing I really, really remember about it is that it passed right before Christopher Street Day. And I also remember that Angela Merkel voted against it because it's what the CDU does. Yeah, she's technically in the conservative yeah. party. And she said, you know, I think it's something we need, but I think it's something my party's against. And that's a line of politics I'm not sure I'm ever going to fully understand. However, gay marriage passed, and not all of the legalities have really been sorted out as to how to put gay couples on the same footing as straight couples in Germany, but they are moving forward with it. Germany also has certain protections for intersex people that the United States and many, many other countries don't have. Germany is so confusing with if it's if it's liberal or not, if it's socially just or not. Yeah. Because in some ways it really is, in some ways it's really not. And people's perception of Germany is that it's super liberal and evolved and, and so many things are allowed and, and blah, blah, blah. And that is true. But also Angela Merkel, who's run the country for close to two years. decades. Yeah, 16, 16 years. years. She's from the Christian Democratic Party. And they are center right, center right. Yeah, they are technically conservative. And and this is debatable what this gets into German politics, whatever. It's not relevant, but (laughs) it's just worth stating that, like, it is surprising that it wasn't already legal. And also it's a friendly reminder that it's not that surprising because that's what 
that's the party who's been in charge and it's again german social issues they just as a people view them really differently i find than than americans we had an interaction before we were married so being an unmarried gay couple looking for an apartment one of you is a student one of you is an immigrant freelancer you don't have many options uh not many landlords are breaking down the door to get you in their apartments and we had one interaction with a real estate agent here who I, I said, you know, my girlfriend, no, actually fiance at the time, and I would like to move into this apartment together. And she said, oh, well, you won't have trouble finding any apartments in Freiburg. I said, well, it's it's actually a problem being a gay couple trying to, an unmarried gay couple trying to find an apartment. She said, no, 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 it's not a problem. And I didn't know how to tell her that she should try it. <laughs> um, but this is also very indicative of when gay marriage was passed here. People were like, oh, yeah, should have been passed years ago. And then we said, why wasn't it passed years ago? And they're like, well, I don't know. I don't know. It just wasn't. There's, again, this weird disinterest with when at times it's nice. Like people kind of don't really care what you do, yeah. <laughs> which can be freeing. But it's also at other times like, but please care. This is the knee jerk reaction so many people have. When you come out as gay or queer or non-binary or whatever, you come out to them and they say, I don't care. That's not the reaction we're looking for. We're actually looking for you to care about us. When someone says that they are gay or that they're trans, don't just knee-jerk saying, I don't care. Saying, you do care, not because you're against it, but you do care because you care about this person. And this is this line that's constantly walked here. Well, and so you mentioned earlier that this all happened, um, the legalizing of gay marriage in Germany, right around Christopher Street Day, which is in Germany, that's Pride. Yeah. yeah so uh, Christopher Street Day is the typical name of Pride in Europe. The Gay Liberation Front uh, was a political action group that popped up in the, that was organized in the United States. Um, I think it's always important to say that political action groups never just casually pop up. Everything is done with intention an intention to make systemic changes. So there were some gay rebellions at clubs. It uh, started in LA, actually, in 64, 65. Please don't quote me on that. I'm sure that number is wrong. It was in the 60s, <laughs> where police who typically harassed trans clubs, even trans diners, and took money from the owners to then not harass their clientele, busted up enough of these places that uh, the queens fought back. Uh, this happened in Chicago, it happened in LA, and it happened in New York, very, very famously at the Stonewall Inn, which was a dive bar that people went to to just be themselves. The clientele were gay men, trans women, butch lesbians, and the police came in to bust it up, and the the queens fought back. It's always debated... Who threw the first stone? Who started Stonewall? And in general, it just doesn't matter. It matters that Stonewall happened. And one of the best stories from Stonewall is that there was a report that there was a kick line of drag queens who started a kick line and started attacking the police. Uh, they started their kick line towards the police, marching <laughs> towards them, singing. And uh, that report's actually false. There wasn't a kick line. There were multiple kick lines <laughs> of uh, drag queens, which is the most fantastic image I can possibly think of. The next year, so Stonewall was 1969, 1970, the Gay Liberation Front organized the first Pride. And Stonewall 
is on Christopher Street in New York. And the first pride was a few people that paraded up and down Christopher Street. So from there, you get pride today in the United States. You have pride parades, pride marches. And weirdly, in Europe, in a lot of places, you have CSD or Christopher Street Day, named after the street in New York. Yeah, so I hope Europeans who go to CSDs know what Christopher Street Day is. I will admit when I was 23 and went to my first CSD, uh, someone said, asked me if I was going to Christopher Street Day and I had no idea who Christopher Street was. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was a person. Like, what did he do? Who is he? Oh, and this is so indicative of queers not knowing their history. We're not taught our history in schools. And this is a moment that this minority, the queer minority, and the people of color and black people, this minority, we have so much crossover in this fight and this walk towards social justice in that we are not taught our history. Our history is not, it's not taught in schools. It's not shown in media. You cannot go five paces without running into straight white history which straight white history is important guys it's important however trying to find out that there's been a gay president of the united states this isn't taught in any history books but it's just a fact james buchanan by the way look it up so then we get into csd and i becoming out and a proud person didn't know I thought it was a person. I was like, sure, Christopher Street, someone who died, who was killed for being gay. That makes sense. Look it up. And it's it's a place. And it's it's important to know our history because our history is just not taught. And having been to, I guess I'm assuming that you've been to some Pride events in the States. Is that a fair yeah. assumption? Okay. Um, it's it's a wishy-washy assumption to make. Okay. Uh, I have, I've been to one Pride in okay. the United States and... I don't think I told anyone I was going. I snuck out to it. So much of being gay in the South as a kid is sneaking in the queer education that you can find. Like I used to, oh gosh, the very first thing I ever bought after I started driving by myself was a Blockbuster membership card <laughs> um, to go and rent Seasons of the L Word. Because this was the only media representation of lesbians and lesbian culture. And I snuck around and watched it, which is a, it's a perfectly innocent show. But this, this sneaking around to try to get in any kind of piece of culture and history and just a reference point for who you are in the world. And my, the only Pride event I've been to in America was in Charlotte, North Carolina, before I went there, the only thing I'd ever heard about Pride was that it was gay men in pink thongs dancing in front of your car while you were trying to drive. And it just caused traffic problems, which I've got to be honest, I have seen gay men in pink thongs at Pride and it is glorious. Yeah, like they're not wrong about all no, of it. No, they're not. However. They're not super wrong. But that's, but that's it's also not, not the most right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, I Pride in America... It's very, very different than CSD in... I've, I've experienced CSD only in Freiburg as well. That's another caveat I need to put on it. Um, uh, here it is a massive party. Last year, it was one of the bigger prides we'd had. Uh, the parade itself was not that huge, but the party afterwards was pretty massive. We took over a park in the city 
and there were thousands and thousands of people sitting around drinking beer, chatting with friends. There were children playing everywhere. It was fantastic. My experience of pride in the United States and knowledge of what the the pride that my friends still participate in in the United States is it's more almost like a uh, a block party. There is a parade, but you have church groups that come and for their pride group, um, universities, colleges, they come and they represent and they march. I've you see pictures now of Wells Fargo having floats in pride parades. Ugh, gosh, it's it's corporate corporate. Very, I mean, it's it's America. It's such a level of weird acceptance in America when your minority yeah. becomes profitable. Yeah, and that's uh. I can. There's a there's a rather vocal movement against this capitalistic version of pride in the United States, and I fully understand and support where they're coming from. Um, just like I fully understand and support where people are coming from who go to sponsored pride events. Um, we have waited so long in this world to be sponsored that please, yes, sponsor me. However, I think it can never be stated often enough that a company who has finally figured out that they can make money off of you and your life does not actually care about you and your life. However, if that facilitates you living your authentic life, then make Walmart facilitate you living your authentic life. Um, we've waited too long to not be ourselves pride here csd here especially in freiburg massive floats blasting painfully loud music people of all sorts dancing behind the floats i think the oldest people i saw there last year is this couple gosh if they were a day under 200 years old i'd be surprised they were ancient of years <laughs> holding hands and kissing, and it was beautiful. One thing that came up earlier is how important community is. You know, the community, family. Have you been able to find that here? There is a queer community everywhere you go, but it's not a monolith. Uh, it's not like we, we don't all know each other, though we do get a newsletter. We don't actually, that's a joke. <laughs> I need you to not take that seriously. Um, there, There is a queer community, a queer, yeah, groups, parties, um, the Pink Party is a popular party in Freiburg, um, but it's through the university. And this is really, it's very, very important for university students to have a queer community and queer student groups to keep coming to, uh, to find their footing, to find their culture, to find people who are like them. I have the massive privilege in my life to have fallen in love at the age of 21 she she locked that down. Um, she did everything within her power to make sure that we were together and we have done everything in our power to be together. And what that turns into is I haven't needed to see anyone like me because I, I know who I am. I do have friends here who are gay. I have a lot of gay role models in my life. I and lucky to have become that gay role model in my own life and to marry a gay role model. I don't participate in the queer community in Freiburg. I couldn't say how robust it is as a community. I do know, though, I, I'm an English teacher here, and when I have students who are gay, there is a recognition of each other that is different than the recognition 
that I have with my straight students. You hear a lot of immigrants, a lot of expats say that it's it's important that you know someone else from your own home culture. Um, getting to know Americans here in Freiburg, I know them better immediately than I know a German. We recognize a similar culture and a similar background. And I have the same experience with my gay and queer uh, students. We just, we recognize each other differently because we are part of the same culture. In the U.S., there seems to be a lot of bunching of communities through informal environment. Not everyone's in a sports club or a club in general, right? Or a hobby club. Like you just kind of find your people, but how do you find them? Often through drinking and bars. And so, yeah, I mean, through (laughs) frat houses and where you think you're the one gay friend in your friend group and then you all start coming out of the closet. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my my closest friend circle um, in from the United States from college. It started as six of us when we started college. All six were straight. Um, yeah, that didn't. This is not. It's not. That's not the makeup of the group anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so my time in Chicago, um, for instance, that's a city that has a lot of gay bars and actually has gay neighborhoods. So there's Boys Town, which is gay neighborhood and then there's um andersonville which is the lesbian neighborhood and chicago is also a neighborhood place so there's that but like there's such specific places that you go for specific groups like wrigleyville is for the bros like it's just yeah so (laughs) this had the effect that i was like the token straight person out of this whole group of friends and it was just like a very such a specific experience of culture and a lot of people finding each other based on this identity and so coming to Germany and to Freiburg and being like but where where is that happening where the queers at <laughs> yeah and then and then you meet them you know as as you go and like they're in the volleyball club they're in the movie club like they're not just in the gay neighborhood hanging out with this is the queer people almost a callback to talking about how German society is interesting with this contrast yeah of just I, I mean People saying no one has a problem with being with you being gay. Some people do. However, the majority of people don't. But also, I'm not sure how comfortable they'd be if we start being as gay as possible. Right. Um, yeah. Being as out as possible. I think there is a there's a history in the United States of gay bars, uh, gay clubs, finding these places where you can find other people who are like you and be out and comfortable around strangers without the fear of being attacked or without the fear of being harmed in some way. I had an experience in college where I was at a house party and someone read me as gay and I ended up being physically attacked because of it because I wasn't in a gay home or a gay club or a gay environment. The only frat house at my tiny college, which the frat houses were the only places to party, um, the only frat house that was open to having gay members happened to be the frat house where all the gays hung out because we knew we were safe there. It might be different here. I have experienced Germany as an adult. God, that would be the German thing to do, right? Is have like a gay Verein, like the well, just a gay club. Yeah, they like do. Yeah, they, yeah, there are gay clubs. You see them at CSD all the time. The gay clubs walking and marching in the parades. And it's not clubbing like dance club. No, no, no. no. It's, a, it's, it's a like a make a club. club, like a Boy Scout club. Yes. Make a club um, and be organized right. and efficient. <laughs> sports clubs take the place of sports and schools. 
the music clubs take the place of music in schools. It it does kind of change the makeup of where queers can go to be comfortable and to find their own people. Um, there are gay clubs in Germany. Um, there's a gay bar in Freiburg. These these kinds of places, especially alcohol-based places, there's not much draw for people in monogamous happy relationships uh, <laughs> who like to be in bed by 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. There's, there's again, a kind of a counterculture push in the United States to find these queer safe spaces that are not alcohol-based. Um, there are spaces that people find themselves and find other people like them. And it just takes up different makeups in different cultures. If, if there's someone listening who's maybe from the LGBTQ plus community, um, maybe thinking of moving to Germany, what do you want them to know? Uh, gosh, I don't know. Come on. It, <laughs> if you want to move somewhere, move. If your home environment is not conducive to you being the full version of yourself, move. You have no responsibility to be unhappy. If you find that you can find your happiness where you are and work towards the change in your home culture that you want to see and that you wish you could have seen as a kid, stay and fight for it. This is a conversation I have with a lot of my friends who still live in the South, who still live at home. They say, well, you got out. I said, yeah, but you were brave enough to stay. And I don't think I was a coward for moving. I found a place where I could be happy and I could be my full self. And they are finding it in their own ways still in the South. Find the place where you can be happy. You don't hold a responsibility to any person at all to be unhappy. No, absolutely not. I think every, almost every person who is queer has lived with a lot of self-homophobia, still do, and still fight with it and fight against it, because our culture at large is not pro-gay. Um, being gay is still illegal in, what, 72 countries in the world? 72 many countries in the world. And if you can find a place where you are happy, find it. If you want to move abroad, do it. Be aware that there are places that are safer than others. I know East Germany is different than West Germany still today. I heard a queer activist who lives in Warsaw right now who said, if you're gay in Poland, move, um, because it's not going to get better. And that is an important message, is that if you're gay, if you're queer, you're, you are fine, and you don't owe any government your unhappiness. And if you are deeply unhappy, deeply unsafe, just get out of there. Wonderful words to end on, except it's not over yet. Not over yet. We've got the Zack Zack Zacks. This is a <laughs> rapid fire question round where I'm going to ask you three questions that you're going to answer without thinking it, overthinking it. You just go with your gut. You're ready. All right, let's do this. Yeah, do the warm up. She did a, she did a little warm up head roll. I liked it a lot. Okay, okay. First one. Um, what is one food that you make or bake when you're feeling homesick? Ooh, mac and cheese. Uh, we call it our frustration mac and cheese. Um, I, we make it every time one of us, usually it's our Monday night dinner, if I'm being honest. Uh, but it's it's the frustration mac and cheese. It's the homesick mac and cheese. I make it where it tastes exactly like my mama's. That's um, sorry, mom, but it's probably better than yours. Ooh, um, the cheese fire. in Germany is just better. And it's lactose free, which you just, you don't get at mom's house. True. Um, so yeah, it's mac and cheese. Frustration mac and cheese. Beautiful. Um, what is your preferred method uh, to cool down in the summer? Oh, I have a basement. Um, <laughs> we, 
yeah, our basement is a refrigerator and I actually experienced that today. I got home from work at two o'clock in the afternoon, sweating profusely, walked downstairs and sat on the tile floor of my basement and I was cold and it was amazing. Wow. Magical. And finally, if Corona weren't here to ruin everything, where would you be going for summer vacation this year? In your dream world, not your reality world. Uh, that's that's actually a, a touchy subject. We were supposed to go to the United States. That didn't happen because of Corona. My wife hasn't seen our niece since she was three weeks old. She's now two. Uh, so we probably would have been going to America to spend time with my family and see our our friends and our, my my very very queer friend circle from college. So yeah, dream world I could go to the United States, I could go to South Carolina. I could be present in my home country while it's going through growing pains and I could be present with the people in my home culture who need more people to be present with them. Um there's been a lot of conversation in the queer culture in the queer community of being present for black people in the United States and around the world and being present for people of color because we are a minority and they are a minority. Um, and minorities have to stick together. We have to be present for one another. Um, it's kind of beautiful that pride month didn't really happen this year because of Corona. So instead of marching in pride, we went and we could march in solidarity with our brothers and sisters darn it Meg you're good with words you're good with words all right <laughs> wow yep thank you thank you for all of this thanks for coming on the show thanks for having me my first podcast and it was fun oh it's so upsetting <laughs> <laughs> thank you one more time to Meg for coming on to the show I'll link to the Instagram account that she mentioned in the show notes and I also want to link to the documentary Disclosure it's available on Netflix it came out just a couple of weeks ago and Laverne Cox is the executive producer it's a really good documentary about the representation of trans people in film and in media. So it definitely touches on some of the themes that Meg brought up in this episode, and I think if anyone's interested in that and hasn't seen it, it's definitely worth a watch. You'll also find in the show notes links to my social media, so you can follow me on Instagram or on Twitter at the Cast. And my favorite thing in the world is when people leave me a review. It helps the show grow and it helps me learn what people like and don't like about the show. So please take a moment, leave some stars. I want to thank Amy Lungi Art for the logo and Sidehug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, we're going to be back in your feeds with an episode about what it is like to be an expat lady in Germany. Until then, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay cool. This done. Tschüss.